But if I have to sing for you, I don't know. Do you have a favorite song you want me to sing? A Beatles? Yesterday, all my troubles seem so far away. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I am on the prowl indeed. Welcome to Podcats. This is Cats, John Katsalamidis of the Las Vegas Review Journal. My column is called Cats, fittingly enough. Find it on page 3A every day and online all the time. My guest this week is an Italian siren and multi-language singer who has made a mark in Las Vegas in a short period of time. She hosts her own singing, interview, and cooking shows on Facebook Live. She has appeared on her own special on PBS, and she happens to have been the last headliner at Myron's Cabaret Jazz at the Smith Center. She is Giada Valenti. How are you doing today? I'm doing better than ever. I'm with you. Oh, I'm good now. We've, uh, we've talked about doing this for quite a while, so I'm glad we finally got it done. And uh, when we first started talking about this, you didn't have your, uh, your Facebook fiefdom going at all. So uh, I congratulate you in, in advance for making a, a, such an effective use out of that platform. You, you seem pretty happy doing, doing your Facebook stuff. Yeah, it makes me happy because at least I have something to do while we are not uh, performing anywhere. And it brought so much joy to uh, many people. I create new friendship among people that are, I don't know, in South Africa, Australia, England. They communicate with each other during uh, the Jada life, which I think is pretty. They talk, hey, what have you done? Like, I'm not even there, but it's Mm -hmm. nice. (laughs) It it brought some joy. And actually, John, you've been my inspiration. You started to go live. And I remember that you were talking and people were cheering up about seeing you uh, there. And I remember one day you said something that uh, COVID-19 has made you a better person because we knew you as a journalist, busy, the man in town. And then suddenly you had time for your family. Mm Mm-hmm. Even for me, I remember I was talking to you every day. I miss that, John. <laughs> it was the point was that um, when I was visiting my family in Idaho, that you you were suddenly uh, you're back in your original uh, incarnation. You're the son, the brother, the the you know brother-in-law, the uncle, the grandson, you know, and that's where you are. That's where you are when when they take your costume away. So that was the point of it. But uh, you know, I mix it up pretty well but uh yeah you know I, i've been interviewing so many people i've been interviewing you i got to know so many things about you and so many other of my friends that normally i never had the time because i was always busy with other things to spend and give attention to them and I, i've learned that uh i mean there is a is a beautiful world there are so many great people out there and i think COVID 19 slowed down the world so we we had more time for us for one for, for discover friends, family. I talk to my family. Normally, I talk to my mom and dad every day, but now mm-hmm. I get to talk also to other friends and family members in Italy because they know I'm home, they are home, so I can't hide behind nothing. Can <laughs> I, oh, yeah, sorry, I'm busy. No, I, I am now. <laughs> I get this all the time where I ask somebody if they can you know, be interviewed or do something. I was like, hey, yeah, you're free Monday at 2 p.m. And the, the answer's usually been, gee, let me check my schedule. Yes. <laughs> How many hours do you need? <laughs> you talked about your family in Italy. You're originally from Venice, as you've uh, spoken of many times. Why did you, uh, when did you move to Las Vegas, first of all? 
let's put the timestamp on that. And what brought you to this city in the first place, being from Venice? So Las Vegas, I would say a year ago. I came, I lived in New York City before, uh, before that I lived in LA for two years. And before that I lived 11 years in New York City. So I moved from, and before that in Amsterdam, then London. So I've been like a gypsy my whole life. But what brought me uh, to Las Vegas is, it's been like a, a coincidence. You know, I had this PBS special that I filmed in 2015 mm -hmm. and it's here in 2016 all around the United States. And even though it was a national project, so all uh, it started from Washington, every PBS stations around the, the United States, they, they have 385 of them. They can decide mm -hmm. if they want to broadcast a show or not. So it happens that I think 95 of them started to broadcast in, in two years time. And so, and every time I, I was going to a city for a, a live uh, appearances on PBS and then a few months later, a concert, so Chicago, New York, and actually Las Vegas was the one that was rejecting the show. I mean, it was just saying, oh, we have so many artists, so let's wait for her. We have a lot of artists in Las Vegas who want to be on PBS. <laughs> So, and me, I'm always sad because I don't gamble and I don't drink. So I was always, one day when I'm going to Vegas, it's going to be for business. So I'm going to be performing there. So I, I never had put Las Vegas on the list of things, places I wanted to go and visit. And then suddenly at the end of the two years uh, traveling around the United States, Las Vegas finally said, yes, we want to have that from Venice with Love with Giada Valenti. So I came here. I remember I did uh, the visions, uh, the, the the studio uh, PBS uh, studio visit uh, together with Myron, actually from the Smiths. Myron Martin. And it was pure coincidence. I didn't know nothing about Vegas beside the strip. And that night, the phone started to ring like crazy. People were pledging for tickets for my concert three months later at the Smith Center. So I was like. Wow, this is quite great. The program was over and the phone was still ringing. You know me, John, by now. I said, okay, let me go and thank these people because these people are so nice. So I pick up a phone and by coincidence, I spoke with this woman, Irene, it's her name. And she invited me to the Italian American club. Yep. I said, okay, why not? They're two strangers. Uh, but I said, how bad can you be? So I went there. There I met Dennis Bono. Everybody was so welcoming. I yep. started from LA every month and I fell in love with Vegas. The reason that's why, why I'm here now is because Vegas is a, is a beautiful place. The yeah. community is amazing. You're one of them. I mean, I lived in New York for 11 years. I met so many entertainment reporters. They're more superstars than the stars themselves. And you, for instance, you're part of the community. Yes. You talk to every person that want to share a conversation with you. I think Vegas is a special place. It's really the entertainment. What do they call it? The, the capital of the entertainment? or the Entertainment capital of the world. And I think it is. That's what we call it. Yeah. And, and you know, sometimes some other Vegas friends of mine said, don't say too much about how, how beautiful is Vegas because everybody's moving here. So we shouldn't say, John, that. <laughs> we shouldn't promote it too much, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm always curious about what people from outside of Las Vegas think of Las Vegas. And when I've traveled overseas, including Italy, including your hometown, I'm always interested in what uh, what the natives and other overseas think of the city. Growing up in Venice, what was the opinion, your opinion and, and the opinion of those around you about Las Vegas? Well, for me, it was is the strip. For the, all over the world, in Italy, for us, it's a dream to come to Vegas because Vegas is gambles. We still have the idea, you know, that it's party time from morning to night, which is true. And you can come here and you can see all kinds of shows 
from music show to magicians to striptease to wherever you want. So we have this idea that is a, because when I say now to my Italian friends that I live in Vegas, for them, they imagine me every night being outside partying. <laughs> <laughs> Which that's why was the reason I was, I mean, I'm not a party girl. Let's be honest. I love music. I, I'm quite kind of quiet beside and outside the, the, the music, let's say. So Vegas was not in the list of my dream place to, to be, but that's what, what it is. Vegas is that, but Vegas is outside the strip as a, as a heart, as a soul, as amazing people. All the people that I met in Vegas, that the residents of Vegas, not many were born in Vegas, by the way, mm -hmm. but if, Everybody came here for the same reason I'm here, because they fell in love with the fact that there is a lot to do, but uh, if you want, but there is also a good uh, way of living here. I mean, it's safe. It's, uh, mm -hmm. I lived in LA for two years, and I love LA, but the distances, the traffic. Yeah. I mean, I lived in New York before, so you would say you were used to it. No, it's, it's, it's different. New York, you can go everywhere by walking or with the with a train in LA you need a car and to visit a friend it takes you sometimes two hours I don't know how people in LA get anything done really I mean they don't it seems like you're you can be much more productive here than you know even when I've worked in LA it's like how do people you know get more than one thing done in a single day it's very difficult just because of the logistics and uh, the the pace here um you know, it, it, it's required because of our pace here to be able to get from point A to point B very quickly. What was your first live performance in Las Vegas, Jada? Where, where it was or how it was? Where was it? At the Smith Center three years ago. Okay. I was at the Cabaret Jazz. The Cabaret Jazz. Uh, I, I remember I was kind of, uh, I'm never nervous when I go on stage. I'm always excited. And I thought it was quite special because this is Vegas. First of all, we sold out the first time I was there and was already a kind of personal achievement because somebody told me actually, I think a week before that in Vegas, there are 200 shows every night and there were, I don't know how many built. <laughs> and I was like, wow. So I was afraid that nobody would come there. But, and then I found my place here in Vegas. The, the, as I said, the people that are in Vegas are music lovers, arts lovers. They are here for the same reason. I'm here because I love to perform and they are here because they love to go and see performances. Right. Right make um, an habit of the day-to-day -day things to go and see. And, and you know what? People want to come here from all over the world. I, have, uh, I never had so many fans traveling from Europe, wherever they are, to come to Vegas because it's Vegas, baby. So, yeah, it's, I love it here. Why did you want to become a singer? I never wanted to become a singer. I, um, I've been, I mean... When I was a little girl, I had a very special grandfather, my grandfather Ruggiero. He always said that the most important thing in life is Devi essere felice. You have to be happy. He was always mm -hmm. saying that uh, if you have, a, if if you are happy, your life is going to be good because happy attracts happiness. So my grandmother, she was taking me to church every Sunday. She was a singer. She was singing. I was sitting on her lap and the music or something beautiful. So when I was four years old, I started to sing with her. She enrolled me on the music school. I could write music notes before I could write A, B, C, D. And suddenly, so I was following my happiness. I, I've been asked this. I never made a decision to be a singer. It happens. I started to sing. People started to like it. I like it. It was making me, and all the things I've done in my life was like following my happiness. 
when you're saying to people for the first time, did you did the the response that you received put that in your in your uh, in your head originally? Was that how it happened? Was it in front of people that you decided that that would be a great thing to do for a living? I, I don't know if you have anything that makes you feel good. For me, when I was singing, I still remember, I don't have memory of when I was four, five, six, seven, but I remember when I was 10 and I started to do all these song contests. Singing makes me feel good. I can have a, the worst of my day. I can be even sick and miserable. I filmed my PBS special with 110 fever. I was very sick and congested, yes. Whoa. I, I had this uh, discussion also with Matt Gus a few days ago. He mm-hmm. felt- I saw that. Music makes you feel good. That's mm-hmm. what makes you feel happy. I'm, I'm also blessed and happy that other people feel the same. It could have been that people were like, oh, shut up. <laughs> so I was lucky that people loved it. But it was like, as I said, it was like an egoistic decision, I think. I was happy doing what I was doing. And I was blessed that people liked what I was doing. So it was just like, I mean, to perform makes me feel good. For those who haven't seen your performances, uh, Jada, describe what your set list is like and what your what your uh, approach to the stage is. Because uh, you know I've seen you a number of times, and I can describe it. It's a it's a storytelling show as much as it's a singing show. But talk about a little a little bit about the about what you bring to the stage. Well, first of all, uh, uh, yeah, they ask me a lot of time, which kind of singers are you? I'm always say I'm a singer of good good music, good songs. Uh, I said I had this amazing grandfather. He always told me that sometimes we get in trouble in life when we we have too many we categorize things too much, like. Uh, the person is black, white, yellow. Of uh, my my grandfather used to say, "God has two categories: good and bad." So for me, I see music like that: good music and bad music. And that's also my personal taste because maybe something that for me is bad is good for other. So I choose music with that that kind of things: what I like and what I don't like. So when they come to my show. They can have all kind of songs that uh, are, are good music to start with. They can be music of the 60, the 70, the 40, recent music, can be a rock song, can be a pop ballad. Uh, the only thing I, uh, that I uh, have to be attracted to is the, the song has to be special to me, it has to speak to me first. And I noticed, John, that if I, as a performer, perform something that means something to me, I give something out to the audience that they start to love the song too. There is one song, La Vie en Rose, you've been to my show, mm-hmm. and not leave any stage without singing that song. It's probably the song that made me a singer because I was very little. I was obsessed with the DPF. I couldn't even speak French at the time. So every time I sing the songs, somehow it's my way of expressing myself in maybe in a, in a more deeper way than, than other songs. So there is no way that I can leave any stage without singing that song. And sometimes I try to, and then <laughs> they come to me and said, oh gosh, you didn't sing La Vie and Rose. I'm like, yeah, but I sang it like 40 times and you've been to all the 40 concerts and they still want to hear it. So I, 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 they can expect a, any kind of music. And, you know, I ask my audience often, what they like. I know that sometimes I ask you too, and you always come up with these kind of hard rock songs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know me, I'm kind of a singer of love, but one, one of these days I have to pick up one of your suggestions. Maybe who knows? I started as a rock singer, for God's sake. So Yeah, I, I, I've bend on that. Yeah, I, I like to see people, uh, you know, kind of outside what I've seen them do already. 
But you know, I'm a big Beatles fan, you know, and I, I love and I love all of the performers who are in residency here, you know, and who have been in residency here in Las Vegas. And I, so that's usually what's top of mind. You know, if I've if I've uh, recently talked to Shania Twain, I probably have a Shania Twain song in my head. You know, that's just how it is. Do you have anything original? Any uh, favorite original song? I'd like to hear a little bit of singing if you uh, if if you would be so uh, inclined, because I know you can sing a cappella uh, incredibly effectively, and I've seen you do it. That no, you're asking me if I can sing an original to you? Anything, yeah. Anything. Well, I have original song, and and if you ask me, what is maybe the mo- the most special song was also my PBS special. I wrote it myself. It's called Italian Signorina, which the, I wrote it basically in Denmark, in a cold day in Denmark with two jazz musicians. We were writing music for other singers. And, uh, you know, me, I'm kind of having fun all the time. So these two musicians, very, very serious jazz musicians, they said, why wouldn't write something about you? So we wrote this song to start, I'm in Italian Signorina in the mood for love. That was the first things I, that came to my mind. And actually, funny enough, is the song that brought me to the United States because I made a little demo out of it. JJ, my manager and husband, sent it all over the world. And we got invited in New York by Clive Davis. Oh, geez. Wow. And my voice was enchanting. And I was like, with Italian signorina, how is he going? Lying back, enjoying life. I was like, wow, Clive is like me. So he thought it was very, that's still to this day is a special song. And I always introduce the song, like a song I wrote for myself. I love chocolate. I love the touch of my man. I love to walk on the beach. <laughs> I love- and all the women and some of the guys, they kind of love that kind of thing. So, yeah, that's a special song. But if I have to sing for you, I don't know. Do you have a favorite song you want me to sing, a Beatles? Yesterday, all my troubles seem so far away. That's all right. <laughs> I just like hearing the voice. Oh, you are. Then, I don't know. Yeah, they, they, you, you, you've been to all my concerts, John. And it's always an honor. I, 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 you know, I have these things. I was about to ask you a question. I can't. You are asking me. You can ask me anything. You've already put me over the coals in the April show. You started this thing. <laughs> you you started this in April. April 7th was your first Facebook Live, Giada Live show, right? March 18. Oh, okay. Okay. Vegas, March the 12th. And then Vegas closed down after the Smith Center concert. And a few days later, I was already missing the people. And I started with an hello. And before you knew, you were my guest. <laughs> The last time I saw you perform was the last show at the Cabaret Jazz, which was um, on March 12th, at that uh, matinee show. That was actually the last show at Cabaret Jazz. What what was that show like for you? Because I know we were dealing with the, the, you know, the preclude to the shutdown even then. I remember sitting in that room thinking, this is the last show we're going to be able to see and hear in a long time. I really felt that. And I think I think a lot of people did. What was it like for you on stage that day? It was, uh, you know, I, first of all, I would have never imagined uh, this kind of situation to go home for so long and to get so really serious. I, I was already aware, of course, of what uh, COVID-19 was doing in Europe. I'm Italian, so Italy was already having at the time, uh, I don't know, at least 600 dead people a day of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. It's very bad. So I knew the severity of it, but I was still somehow, I'm an optimist, so I... I would have not imagined, John, that that would have been the last show. I was just like, okay. I, I, I remember, though, that I remember on stage I was saying, tonight, guys, so we're not going to have uh, hugs uh, at the meet and greet. Uh, we have to stay distance. So it, it was more kind of, 
honestly, even knew I know, I was like joyful to me. I would have never imagined the situation to get as in the, at the point where we are nine. I mean, all my shows are moved to May 2021 and new shows are going to be booked for 2025. Because, you know, there are many other artists that were supposed to perform in 2021. Yeah, everything moves down in in sections. Yeah, right. It's it's, it's kind of surreal, actually. So, I mean, now I think I wish I knew that, uh, you know, the situation would be that tragic. I would have made like maybe enjoyed even more every second of it. Mm hmm. Because, I mean, you, you said you already were expecting Vegas to I In my, you know, I remember that day really well because I had been working on some, you know, announcements about uh, like Cirque du Soleil had announced it was going to shut down its its um, shows for, uh, you know, temporarily MGM Resorts International. I had just gotten finished writing that when I went to see you that day and I came in. So I was a little I was a little rattled, you know, by that, you know, and here I am watching this you know beautiful performance. I'm like, wow. You know, the, there's this, all this heavy news coming in and then, you know, seeing you on stage, it was real, you know, it was a dichotomy. And, uh, you know, I just, that was, the, you know, ever since then, that shit, that room has pretty much been dark. Um, we have opened up, Giada, some areas where you could conceivably perform. You mentioned the Italian American Club. They're doing, you know, they're kind of lounge type setup, uh, you know. Uh, Piazza, the Tuscany, of course, is is back up. Uh, there are some pockets of of small venues that are opening. Have you considered um, maybe investigating any of those options as we kind of lurch toward reopening the city? To be honest, no. But because I'm a, I'm a chicken, <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid still to go in environment where there are a lot of the people. That's why you are a hero to me because I see you with mask and everything. You're going around town. Me, I mean, I I. I have so many friends that got hit very bad by uh, COVID-19. I lost a few. I have a friend in LA that uh, lost all his fingers. I tried to have him on the Jadalai one of these days. He went just for a vacation in Italy. He came back, he got COVID-19, no oxygen, 2% rate of survival, three months in a coma. So I've seen so many bad things. And I mean, then, of course, I'm friends with Andrea Bocelli. He got it. And he, for him, was just like the flu. So we yeah. still know. And we see now we have Neil Pornoid, our dear friend mm-hmm. Neil. The portrait artist, our friend, yeah. So I, I'm a chicken. So I don't want to get that that much into the community yet. I, I That's why I do all my Jada life. I, on Sunday, I sing, I cook, I try to... I don't know. I, I I may be wrong, but I mean, maybe because it's been so personal to me. Uh, I'm afraid. You know what? And I I did not so long ago. I uh, They asked me to perform a song for an event. Uh, uh, actually, it was American and Italy together with doctors and people in uh, in the business. And mm-hmm. I was his doctor on uh, while I was doing the thing that they said that many of us have, have the virus positive. Actually, now that they test everybody, a lot of us have the virus in them. And they can infect other people without having any symptoms, which scares me. So I'm like, maybe I am a positive because I mean, I've been I've been mingling with a lot of people when COVID started in March. So it's almost impossible that I did not got it. So I said, maybe one I'm one of those that I can make people infected. So no, I haven't I haven't thought about it. But I no. see that the life going on in Las Vegas, and I mean, hey, were any of your relatives in Italy affected? Uh, yes, not badly, uh, just mild. So, as I said, I lost a friend in, but she was in New York. Okay. So, 
is also a singer, so young um, friend in LA. No, in Italy, I, I was blessed and lucky that they, they got it, but none of them really, uh, in, even though, you know, my parents are around Venice. Mm. Venice, the region of Lombardia, and Venice, Lombardia, Milan, and say they, they, it's the one Bergamo, it's not far away from where I am. Really, at a certain point, uh, I don't know if uh, in the United States they were showing news, but every day they had like 600 people dying. They didn't have a place to bury them. People could not go to funerals. So they were just basically putting all these people with uh, with the military uh, uh, traps to some schools that were empty and put all those, those bodies there. To It was kind of... For me, it was kind of surreal, insane, sad. So I'm scared now. So no, no, no piazza for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. It's a reason thing. I know people are asking me about being around all the time. I've, I tested positive for the antibodies and I also tested negative uh, a week and a half ago for, for COVID itself on an assignment I had at MGM Grand. But it's a, it's a real thing. I mean, it is a, it's top of mind all the time and I'm always aware of, of it. You know, it's a very interesting thing to go into a hotel casino. I was at the Westgate yesterday and just see a sea of masks. You know, everybody in masks. It's a very weird thing. Uh, but away from that, uh, away from being out and, and commiserating in public, you've on your show, I've, I've been interested in your cooking. I like to watch you cook. As you know, I don't cook. <laughs> tell me about <laughs> Uh, tell me about uh, why you in, incorporated that into the live show, and is it is, is it is it challenging to be at once an entertainer and at once a chef? Because it's a very I always compare it to Dinah Shore, which she, when she used to be on TV in the, when I was a kid in the seventies, when I was homesick, I got to watch Dinah Shore sing and cook. So uh, tell me about uh, how that all came about. I, I first of all, you said when you hire a chef, I'm not a chef. I'm a singer, I'm a performer, an entertainer. Chef, I know. COVID-19, I will cook for you just to have some fresh meal for you. We <laughs> I'm always cooking for myself. Now I'm home. No, So I always said, the, the first thing is, if I can cook, anybody can. That's why I said, John, you can cook something. I want you one of these days to make something. And share I will make something. And share a picture of something I made. Have you seen the, riso, the rice I made last week? You made a very lovely rice last week, yes. Look delicious. Easy to make. So, John, <laughs> you have to cook something for me. Take the hats out of the oven and bake. The some. hats are still in the oven. <laughs> they are. We can prove that. <laughs> I'll take them out. I'll take them out. I'll take them out. The Giada Enclave. That's what I call my oven. The Giada Enclave. That's where I keep my hats. That's Italian, John. So. Yes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, they always say Italian, Italian DNA cooking. No, but I do love it. And I'm always saying, guys, if I can cook it, everybody can. So it's easy, it's delicious. That's my thing. So whatever, and sometimes you, you see me cooking. Sometimes it goes wrong. Sometimes, and I make, I have a lot of fun with it. Two weeks ago, I was making this, which I made it millions of times, homemade pesto with almonds. I don't know if you saw the episode. And suddenly my, everything, I'm, I'm not really good with machines. Okay. What I have to do is, made by hand and then suddenly I bought this little what do you call it JJ these things that I have is like to crash and things suddenly why I'm live the thing breaks down in pieces so I had mm. this, I mean and you have to to crash the, the the almonds to put the basilicum the olive oil the cheese right. 
So I have also been JJ and repair. We, uh, people love that. It's like, as, it's, as I said, I do it as a farm things. But I mean, I can, I can cook decent, uh, decent food because I have sometimes, I'm afraid with, um, with Enzo Febraro from The Win. And uh, he, he saw was on me, your show. Mm -hmm. yeah, on my show. Mm -hmm. And he was cooking and he said, hey girl, you can cook. So feel more confident because I'm always saying, I'm not a chef, I'm just having fun out there. So sometimes he said, if you need any recipes from you, I said, I don't want to have those different yeah, yeah, he wants to give me some recipe. And I said, Enzo, you are a chef. Me, I'm a singer that plays chefs. And he said, yeah, you can do it. So we'll see. Maybe I will tackle, sometimes I do recipe I never made before. What I make now is all things that, I mean, I've, I've been making with my family ever since I was a little girl. So it's easy, but who knows? Maybe this day it's going to be challenging. By the way, tomorrow I'm going to make a cocktails because, you know, I don't drink any kind of alcohol. You don't drink alcohol? No, but while I was starting to cook, many people were, they thought I was an expert. Apparently, I, people see me and they think, oh, she's an expert. So they were asking me, which kind of wine do you pair with this food? I'm like, how do I know? All <laughs> <laughs> a life you can drink with. So I decided to use coffee to learn more because my father always say, that one of these days they're going to take away my Italian passport because Italians need to drink wine and I don't drink. Mm. So. I said, okay, so I started to Wikipedia everything. So I don't know if you saw the I, I talk about wine. I have some friends because I was born in the regions where a lot of famous wines are produced. The Pinot Grigio from Santa Margherita is really outside that the, the, my mother works for them. So in the factory. So I, and I never had interest for wine. So now I start to do this journey into the planet of wine. So I talk about the Pinot Grigio. I learn everything about the Prosecco together with my guests and then I noticed that people were asking, can you make cocktails out of it? I said, I don't know. So yesterday I bought a cocktail shaker. So I'm going to make a cocktails tomorrow. Don't oh, ask yeah. me. I did some mint and some alcohol. And I just taste it because, you know, when you don't drink, you get drunk even with the smell of it. Mm -hmm. So I always have a zip or wherever I'm preparing at the end of the show just to avoid, who knows, crazy things happening because I get drunk while I'm live. <laughs> I can just imagine you drunk. I can only imagine you drunk. I, and, and I'll tell you, I've been, t I've been threatening to do this for a while, Jada, which is uh, incorporate a mocktail into my column, like a mocktail of the week. Or, and I've been asking for them more and more. I was at the Sand Dollar a couple nights ago. They reopened with, and they offer pizza and, and a food menu mm -hmm. over there. And they made me a mocktail. It was just it was really good. And it, on the fly, the bartender did. It was just... An, you know, you know, ginger, orange juice, cranberry juice, you know, fizzy water. And I, I was thinking, you know, it'd be great to have that be uh, a component for the column in my coverage for those of us who don't drink. You know, I mean, these mixologists are great at making, uh, you know, alcoholic drinks and they can be they can apply that to the, there's a big community who would probably like to have that option. You know, if you make it, then I'm going to pick it up from the column and then I'm going to make it live from my kitchen every Saturday. All right, we're on to something here. We're on to something. You've had a lot of um, uh, kind of big name guests on your on uh, your Giada Live shows, and I've, I've tuned into a few of them. I remember seeing Tony Orlando on the show. Uh, I was impressed. My friend Jim Caruso, Matt was on. What are some of the highlight interviews that you've been able to to land for Giada Live? I mean, I know that you've got a lot of range there, but was there somebody who was especially special to you that you were able to get on the show? You were special. I had uh, own cats. No, you were special. You're just saying that because I'm here. Well, very well. And as I said, I it was fun to, I, 
you know that everything I like has to be Italian. And I found out you were half Italian. So you were special in the way that I didn't know you much and that day I had the feeling you you shared a little bit yourself it was very special for me to um, uh, to have also some people that uh, I'd never met personally I had Margaret Carey she mm-hmm. was two years old and she was the the Tinkerbell inspiration for Walt Disney it was nice to hear how inspired me for me our woman of 92 years old she's still so first of all that she didn't she didn't she didn't knew how to appear on Skype she was all prepared. I, I noticed that all those old people, I had Tom Dreesen, who performed for 30 years with Frank Sinatra. Wait a minute. Frank forever, yeah. Mm-hmm. Story. I had Nathan East, which is an historic bass player, and I found out that even Nathan has passion for cooking. <laughs> he went in his kitchen and he took out a jar of pesto for me. I found out he loves magic. We all love magic, Joan. So he was doing this magic trick. So there were many highlights. Uh, Tony Orlando was amazing. I mean, you talk to Tony Orlando and basically all the music I like, it was part of it. I had two weeks ago, Steve Tyrell. Yeah, great singer. Worked with Bacharach since forever at Young Warwick. And, and I was going through the, because, you know, every time I have to interview somebody, I, uh, even though they are, some of them are personal friends, I don't know everything about their history. So I go and I found all kinds of interviews. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read all things that journalists like you has written in the past about them. I found out, for instance, Steve Terrell is being part of stuff that I was like, really? My God, that record was like, I played millions of times and he was there. He was the producer. Mm-hmm. So, and it's, it's nice to find out how, because when you ask them uh, about that, I, I'm always interested. When they work on something, I, I was friends with Phil Ramon. Unfortunately, he died. He cannot be my guest. He was the producer of the Girls of Ipanema, tall and young, the original version. Right. So I remember asking Phil, I said, Phil, when you were doing that thing, did you knew that you were making something? And I mean, to these days for certain people, that's like, and it's funny that they say no. We had no idea what we were doing. It sounded nice. It was fun. Can you imagine? So I'm like, I have the hope, Joan, that even me and you, we are making something. And 40 years from now, people are going to say, oh, well, man, you're, I don't know. <laughs> you never know what's going to go, you know, out there viral, make me popular. Really, it's, it's like, yeah, I remember, I remember Paul Simon talking one time about writing Bridge Over Troubled Water in a hotel room in New York. You know, I mean, it's, it's just, you, know, you never know. You know, it's, it's a very... A spooky thing to to have a you know piece of work become really famous like that when you never planned it. I what you mentioned um, a, a little bit ago, you called out the JJ, your husband. I, I I love the fact that you guys and I think I've got this right. You didn't speak common languages when you met. Is that right? How how did you how were you able to converse with JJ in the beginning? Uh, with a dictionary. So we met in Switzerland. Uh, I was, uh, uh, besides singing, my parents wanted me to study something serious because they were not sure that music could have been a career for me, even though I was always singing and doing stuff. So I studied psychology at the university. But of course, uh, in December, from December to, uh, to February, there were no classes. So together with two older f- uh, friends, friends of my parents, there were two musicians, we went to Switzerland for three years in a row to perform in Five Stars Hotel for Rich and Famous so and one night I met JJ he liked me instantly I wrote uh, something like 12 songs about it (laughs) 
I didn't like them because uh, that night he had a drink or something. And I don't like people that dance in a crazy way. And JJ, when he is, he's happy, he dance in a crazy way. So I was like, oh my gosh, look at that guy. But I wrote the song to start, it was love at first sight. I know that tonight. Because in that room, there were 300 people. And somehow, even before he came to talk to me, I noticed him, what he was wearing, where he was going. Even though I really don't believe me, I disliked him. I didn't. Didn't want to talk to him. And at a certain point, I was talking to um, a very handsome physiotherapist who could speak French because at the time I could only speak Italian and French. So I'm speaking with this handsome gentleman. And then JJ came to me and he doesn't speak any French. I'm like, oh, please, no. <laughs> but JJ distant. He came back to the same hotel for three nights. Long story short, nine months later, we were married without any language in common. In the meantime, I, I went to Amsterdam. JJ's from Amsterdam. So JJ was working on television. So he had busy schedule. He was never at home. He bought me this book, Learn English for Dami, I would say, but actually it was for Italians. And I was watching television, Yogi and Boo Boo, all these cartoons, I come to networks. And that's how I learned English. I put po yellow post-it in my whole house with ceiling, floor, chairs, televisions to learn English. And so at JJ, when he was coming home at night and with his family, I was talking with all the things. Hey, buddy, how are you? <laughs> hey, Mr. Ranger, sir, I want some picnic baskets. Yoki and boo-boo. I learned English first. So when we got married, actually, I was able, nine months after the first time I met him, I was able to not, to, to talk a little bit of English. But at the time, everything, I didn't know the past of the, of the, of the, the word. So I was just saying to, uh, I was just saying, I am yesterday, go, go. Uh, it was very funny. JJ could understand me. Nobody else could. So after nine months, I did that. And I think for, for a year, uh, we communicate in English. So I started to learn a little bit English and then, of course, I was living in Amsterdam. I got my first record deal with BMG over there. And even though I was singing in Italian, I was doing the interview in English. But I noticed that people were like, you know, charmed by you for a second. And then they, especially when I was going to parties, they were talking in English two seconds. And then they were going to Dutch. And I was totally isolated. And I, I'm convinced that the only thing that, that differentiate us from animals is the fact that we can communicate with words. So I think communications is very important. That's why I speak five languages and I wish I could learn them all. So one night I remember JJ took me to this fancy event, John, which was a, um, a play. So I watched the play. I couldn't understand nothing because everything was in Dutch. And then at the end, there was this beautiful after party with all celebrities from the Netherlands. So they come to me, they speak, oh, you are an Italian, two words in English. And then suddenly... I'm engaged. I don't even know why. And in a conversation with everybody speaking in Dutch, there is uh, all the actors of the play, the parents of the thing. So suddenly a person goes to the bathroom, another one goes to pick up a glass of something. And me, I'm there listening to these absolutely obscure conversations in Dutch. Everybody forgot about me. And at a certain point, it's me and this lovely lady, the mother of the main actor, which is very, a very famous actor in Holland. So everybody's gone. It's me and her. And she looked at me and in Dutch, she said something. I felt so ashamed that the whole time I was like nothing, you know, like. <laughs> so the day later, I said to JJ, tomorrow morning, I'm going to learn Dutch. I went to the Folks University and in six months, I've learned Dutch because I thought, yeah, I tried by myself. Dutch is very hard. Mm -hmm. It's a mix of German, 
a language and it's, it's difficult. So I tried and because I thought, oh, I'm such a clever lady. I'm going to learn Dutch like that. Impossible. Six months. Yeah, wow. six months. And yeah, they have those, those, you know, those, those classes for, uh, actually it's funny because in my class, there were people from America, people from France, every, all people at Expo, that, uh, people that were coming from other country and they were living in Amsterdam. And, uh, so yeah, in six months I've learned. And then of course, again, uh, I always say television, if used properly, is a good way to learn things. I was watching these uh, Dutch te- te- telenovelas. They have them. Mm-hmm. So I, every day I was, you know, it was called, Goede tijden, slechte tijden. It's still very popular. Good time and bad times. You get the picture, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> was that relationship going bad and coming back together? So it was easy to follow. I knew all the actors because JJ works on television and all those people on TV were friends of mine. So, and suddenly, little by little, I learned Dutch. I, uh, all the, the bad words, this is the first one I knew instantly. That's we talked about it even when Matt Gus was my guest a few days ago. He said that he knows, he didn't say it during the live, John Alive, but he said that he knows all the bad words in Italian. I don't know why, John. We- <laughs> it gives you something, that, it gives you a way to be expressive, I guess. What, what do you guys uh, speak around the house? English? Uh, we speak English if there are other peoples around, and we tend to speak uh, Dutch if nobody's around because uh, we are polite. So, yeah, yeah and, and we, we call uh, JJ's mothers every morning, so we speak in Dutch. I'm so proud of the fact that I can speak Dutch that I uh, actually, it's funny, John, because it's my second language. Uh, because now French was my second, I haven't spoken French in so long, so Dutch is my second language. I think in Dutch, so happy. Mm. In Dutch, and everybody's like, "You speak Dutch." I'm like, "Yep." You think in Dutch. I think in Dutch, which is sometimes a problem because uh, when I speak in English, I may do it maybe also with you. I put the, because Dutch and English have some words sometimes that they're at least to me similar. So JJ sometimes said, "You just said the Dutch word when you were talking to whoever." I said, "Oh, did I? I, I don't even know. <laughs> I'm confused, John." When when you dream, what is the language? You know. I don't know because I I, I think I, I dream in Italian. I hope so. I don't I don't know. I, I, I dream in a language I understand. So I guess uh, I don't know Italian English depends who I'm dreaming uh, about. Right. If I dream, probably would be in English. <laughs> Sign language. Um, what's it, what impresses me about that whole thing with JJ is that he was able to uh, knock out of the box a physical therapist who was handsome who was speaking French. That's in sports. They call that a major upset. <laughs> yeah, he, he did. A, I, I mean, you know what? As I said, I wrote this song that is called "But Beautiful." I wrote many songs about the relationship. Actually, one is called "Solo Conte," only with you, which is the song that actually got me to the record deal with BMG. I remember uh, because you should know that uh, there was also a little accident in, incident. So I met JJ, and I didn't like him. So being a singer, maybe I, I, I have to ask other female singers. Sometimes because you are a performer of a singer, men tends to be that you are to think that you are a easy thing. Oh, she's a singer. She's an entertainer, you know, like uh, we are like, I don't know, easy to get, easy to catch. So I'm always been very protective of myself. I'm always, especially when I was really young, I always kept whoever was in the audience, like I had a wall around me because I always felt that I thought singers are easy. 
easy prey, easy thing. They are there, they move, they do these things. So when JJ started to talk to me, I had, I, 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 like with everybody, I really had this wall around me. But JJ somehow was able to, with his kindness, he, he started right away to smile. And I remember was this, remember I went there with these two older gentlemen and they were actually saying to me, that guy is special. Look at him. When he smiled, the high smiles a lot. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So he, he won. And actually, he always made, if he, if he tells the story, he said that he uh, won my heart because he invited me for dinner. Because that was a problem in Switzerland. When we were singing in these very fancy hotels, but of course, as performers, we get to hit with the, the people in the service. So there was not a nice buffet and the nice things that you saw in the five stars hotel. We were hitting on the back, mm-hmm. hot dogs, all stuff I didn't like. Uh, raclette, which was something with garlic and things. I hate that food. So while I was in Switzerland, I was really starving myself. I didn't like anything. So JJ came to me and he said, would you like to go have dinner with me? And I said, of course, no. But then those two generations, <laughs> they say, you always complain that you don't like the food. Let him treat you to a... F-. So I, I asked him to take me to the most fancy restaurant in Adelboden, which is this exclusive place to ski in Switzerland. And so JJ said, I want her heart because I took her for an expensive dinner, which I remember finally I was eating all this good food mm-hmm. and I have an anecdote for you. So suddenly I'm having this nice, luxurious dinner. I don't speak any Dutch. I don't speak any English. And this very beautiful Dutch lady, she takes a chair and she comes and sits with us. How do I know? Because actually this event in Switzerland was with all famous people that came to, to, uh, to Switzerland to film uh, like a, a special in Switzerland. But they were all celebrities, the weathermen, the news, all the people, the actors from all, all celebrities were there. So suddenly I see this beautiful woman, she comes to the table and she starts to talk in Dutch. And I could see from the way she was looking at me, she didn't like me very much, but you know me. I had food in front of me. And <laughs> years later, John, and I see JJ talking to her, trying to, to get rid of her, but she doesn't go. And years later, uh, we were with other friends, and he said, oh, do you remember? They say a name of a woman. I said, who's that woman? Who's that woman? So apparently, John, that woman had an eye on JJ. She really liked him. Oh, oh hello. Uh, so JJ had no interest in her already before he saw me. And he was, and JJ was very professional. He was working on television. She was a woman working for him of the celebrity. She actually was a presenter. So he didn't want it to have anything to do with her. So he always sent her away. That time when she saw us having dinner together, apparently she was saying, that's why you didn't want it to have dinner with me because you're having dinner with this woman. This there woman. you go. <laughs> I didn't know nothing, Joan. I was just eating. I was like, own it. <laughs> Own it anyway. You are the reason. <laughs> Whether he knew it or not. <laughs> you know, to these days, I mean, we have so many friends uh, in Holland. They, they, they remember that uh, because everybody was cheering up for us and for JJ. Because apparently JJ really felt instantly that I was the one for him. So they were just saying, hey, go. I remember he came one night to the, to what the performance I was doing with some of these I know they're famous uh, presenter, but at the time I didn't know. And so he was trying to talk to me and I was like, get, I wanted to get rid of him. So at a certain point he said, uh, I had somebody translate and he said, what can he do to make you like him? He said, he has to come on stage and sing for me. And Jerry said, I go. So he came 
eight, and he sang for me, I'm just a gigolo, and everywhere I go, I chose the song, of course. <laughs> and he had the dance. <laughs> so I, I was like, like, I kind of like him, you know? <laughs> I mean, we can write a book. Somebody said, you, 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 you should write a book about it. Who knows, maybe one day. I wrote songs about it. Thanks once more to Giada Valenti for joining us this week on Podcats. We'll be back next Monday and every Monday, so be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. What is happening in the column, you might be asking yourselves? Well, MGM Resorts International and Boyd Gaming have laid off their entertainment teams. Most of MGM Resorts and all of Boyd Gaming's entertainment divisions have been let go as live entertainment continues to be on hold in Las Vegas. Brad Garrett, a former and favorite guest on Podcats, has taken a shot at Ellen DeGeneres on Twitter. DeGeneres has been accused of creating a toxic environment on her daytime talk show. Garrett tweeted, Sorry, it starts at the top and said to me in a text, if this was about a male talk show host, he'd be fired. David Osborne of the Bellagio, the pianist to the presidents, has been inducted into the Oklahoma Music Hall of Fame. He also sent along a photo of his friend, former President Jimmy Carter, wearing a very distinctive customized face mask. And Garth Brooks has rescheduled his show at Allegiant Stadium to February 27th. Brooks was lined up to open the stadium on August 22nd and has sold out 65,000 seats in 75 minutes. All that and more in Cats. That closes out another episode of Podcasts. Thank you, Frankie Moreno, for our theme song, The Biggest Cat in Town. Keep up with me or try to on the Review Journal website or at Johnny Cats on Twitter, at Johnny Cats one on Instagram. And tune in next Monday to the next installment of Podcasts. Well, it's a cat in town.